Hype trains are a major part of popular culture in gaming, but do they do more bad than good? Are today's games overhyped? Let's all climb aboard the hype train towards your destination, the Shellavision Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Levan. Today we have the Video Game Club sponsor and coach of our esports team, Derek Austell. Hello. The Shellavision Podcast, as always, is brought to you by the Café de Shell. So, Derek, let's just get straight into it. What are hype trains? Hype trains are basically a marketing ploy for the most part. As we'll get into, some are organically made by fans and, and whatnot, but for the most part, usually made by companies in order to get gamers excited about product. It doesn't have to be you know gaming, but it's been popularized for sure in gaming. Um, first on record that I can find of the use of the term hype train is from IGN back in 2002 when they reviewed the Japanese version of Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, <laughs> which they basically said that why do they have to uh, you know run the hype train so hard this thing basically prints money anyway. And you see that a lot with big game developers now. They don't even really have to try. They just kind of say, hey, we're making this game, and it takes on a life of its own. For sure. The uh, one we've always done is the E3 hype train. It's every year. We're coming up on June at, you know, as it is right now. E3's right around the corner, and uh, you know everybody's expectations are high. We're ready for our expectations to be dashed appropriately. <laughs> why do you think hype trains exist, or why do you think they're so popular? Um, I think people just like to be excited. I think that's a big thing is, you know, people get into gaming pretty hardcore. I myself have been caught into hype trains, you know, pretty constantly. Some people live for it. I mean, some people live and die by that next big release. And I think sometimes even people themselves enjoy the hype train more than the game itself, even if the game itself is, you know, decent. You know, obviously it's meant to generate buzz, but sometimes it just takes a life of its own. I think that a lot of the times you see companies that try a little bit too hard to start the hype train, but a lot of the times it's also just something that fans on their own have created, like with the game that's coming out here pretty soon, Atomic Heart. They didn't really advertise it that much. It was kind of just this one trailer, and it hit at just the right time where people were like, okay, this is going to be a great game. And we haven't even really seen that much of it. That's another great example of E3's disappointment, is I think we had a, an E3... I'm pretty sure it was an E3 trailer, and I think it was a pretty lackluster E3. And to see Atomic Heart come out with this trailer that was so unlike everything else, I mean, people just latched onto it, and it was it was really something special. I still can't wait for the game myself. It looks pretty good, but I'm with you. I haven't seen much else ever since that first trailer. So you have those fan-created ones, and then you also have these ones that are kind of created by the companies themselves, like Avengers Endgame just came out. They didn't even really have to create a hype train around that. There was already something building on that for 11 years now, but they know how to market it the right way to get people excited about it. For sure. There have been um, so many advertisements and even just you know small media appearances by actors or whatever it is, and they, they just keep that in-game in your mind. And now we've got in-game crossover with Fortnite that they were just playing upstairs in the game room before I came down here. And, uh, you know, you can wield Thor's hammer and his new Stormbreaker axe and Captain America's shield and all this. And, I mean, they're pretty amazing. And I think now, also, if I remember correctly, isn't there a Fortnite reference within Avengers? Yes. Spoiler alert, but yes, there's Fortnite in Avengers. <laughs> oh. Don't worry, it's still worth watching. (laughs) 
So with the company created ones, you see a lot of the times they force it even in the retail stores. Like I know you used to work at GameStop. How did that really work? Oh, I can tell you all kinds of stories about GameStop. I worked at EB Games at first, started in 02, and then I left in 06. But uh, within that time, it was commonplace for us to answer telephone calls with, you know, welcome to EB Games or thank you for calling EB Games GameStop, whatever it was at the time, where you can pre-order Madden. 2003 or whatever it may have been or they wanted us to push particular consoles and it would change per month based on which company paid GameStop a higher amount of money. They gave employee rewards based on the pre-orders that they would sell and they still uh, use that as a gigantic metric right now. Of course along with their trade program but that's you know nothing here or there but yeah I mean companies put a lot of money in advertising not just the stuff you see right there at Target or Best Buy or GameStop but you know the conversations you have with those clerks and it's not anything that the clerks may or may you know want to do they may be fine with it they may not but it's part of their job and so that hype train is extended not just from what you see online and what you see you know at e3 or you know in avengers but even to just talking to the person at the local store I think it's interesting how the dynamics change to where companies are no longer making a bunch of money off of their like day one releases they're making a bunch of money off their pre-orders now like I know it's not a game but again Endgame they made so much money off the first day so much money in fact that all of the ticket retailer websites crashed the day that the tickets released I know I personally waited two hours to get those tickets because I, I play into the hype train sometimes like with things like that but also you see a lot of pre-order bonuses and things like this so that people are almost forced to get into the hype train in order to even play the game to its full experience Oh, for sure. I myself have been wrestling with picking up Mortal Kombat 11 and finally did it on Saturday. And I was excited to do it, but I was, you know, it's not something I pre-ordered. And the problem is now is because I didn't pre-order, I'm missing a character. I will not get to play Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat 11 without ponying up another six bucks. Later on down the road even, I don't even believe it's available for purchase right now. If you've got it pre-ordered and you have that code, you have access to Shao Kahn. But, I mean, this is just last week this has happened. And, of course, this has been going on for forever. Pre-order bonuses, and then even worse is retailer exclusive pre-order bonuses. You know, something where you'll have GameStop will have an exclusive item, but Walmart has a different exclusive item if you pre-order. It's just unbelievable the extent that they go to to keep this in your mind. That's kind of crazy how pre-order bonuses have been around so long. Like, back in 2009 when they released Batman Arkham Asylum, I know I bought it at Walmart with the pre-order, and they gave me, like, a special suit. But now that I own it on Steam 10 years later, that suit's not even on there still. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a shame that you can't get a complete package anymore. And they use that to their full advantage to make sure you, they get your cash right off the gate. So do you think... Hype trains are good. I think that's. I think hype trains are a double-edged sword. I think uh, there's a good side to it and a definite bad side to it. Again, I've fell into it. I've been so excited for a game that I've pre-ordered straight out the gate and been thoroughly disappointed when the game actually released. But that bit of excitement and that spark and that you're part of the conversation that's going on right then and there, especially when a game is first announced you know, that is exciting, and it can be fun for a lot of people. And like I said earlier, you know, um, some people, they live or die by that. They, they want to be a part of that social experience, even if the game's not even out, or even if the movie's not even out. I mean, even things like, again, we'll go back to Endgame. 
fan speculation before the movie came out. I mean, those those are big conversations. How's the movie going to end? You know, which which Avengers are going to be with us through the end? You know, things like that. It's just an incredible conversation that happened months before, all because it's on our minds and because they you know supplanted it that way. Yeah, it's it's crazy that almost everybody gets caught up in these hype trains. Like, it sounds kind of dumb, but I went and saw Avengers with my mom, of all people, because she was even like, man, I really want to go see this movie. And she was, like, sobbing in the movie theater, like, along with me, I'm going to admit. But, like, it's crazy because she's not usually into that kind of stuff. That's great. You know, I struck up a conversation with a student the other day. I can usually talk to students about games and everything like that, but, you know, what's amazing is, you know, I'll bring up, hey, are you interested in Avengers? Are you excited about Avengers? And it struck up a whole conversation right here in Cafe de Shell the other day. It's it's just, again, it's part of that social experience, and it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I've always done is, again, E3. E3's my Christmas. And, it, again, it's terrible. <laughs> I, f- I feel shame because of this. It's my dark secret. <laughs> it's not even really a dark secret. It's just, you know, there's like a stigma for it, I guess. But every... Every June, it's I get my buddies together and we sit down and we watch the E3 uh, press conferences and you know, we laugh at the the corniness that we laugh at the obvious points where companies are trying to sell us stuff, but we enjoy the game footage and we enjoy watching you know what we're hopefully going to be playing in the next year or two years. That's one of my fondest memories. Yeah, I know. Recently, Bethesda's been doing their own press conferences. It seems kind of weird again, but my family's kind of a bunch of nerds too. We all gather around to see what the next big release by Bethesda is going to be. Even if we're, like, kind of upset by it, it's still, like, fun to get people together and get excited about something like that. For sure. That's awesome. So, along with that, you said it's a double-edged sword. What do you think are bad about hype trains? The obvious, or the, the issue is that when hype trains are at their worst, it's a company trying to sell you something that you end up not wanting or you're disappointed with. Because all of it is marketing. We're allowed to let ourselves fall into that trap and buy in. Nine times out of ten, I would even say, is probably a good thing. A company that's honest and promotes their game properly, that's a safe bet. But unfortunately, there is a lot of stuff out there that's just not legitimate. I mean, there's games that are sold as early access now, and those early access titles are a promise for something that's going to happen, and it may never happen. There's a definite unrealistic representation of games that come out. If you watch any Ubisoft press conference and then take the footage of that game that they show, Watch Dogs being a prime example, they look nothing like their trailer when they come out at retail. It even got so bad that when Watch Dogs came out on PC, people were able to mod it and remove those restrictions and basically tick a, a box that said enable E3 graphic and there's the graphics they were promised. I mean, it's laughable. And a lot of that gets into a lot of other stuff. You know, Ubisoft had Watch Dogs. They had it in that playable format. It couldn't run on consoles, so they didn't want the console versions to be inferior to the PC versions, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? That's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. You still sold us a game that you represented incorrectly, poorly. There's a bunch of different examples. No Man's Sky. Have you, have you ever played No Man's Sky? Yeah, there's like <laughs> nothing to do, really. Really, it, it is. It's barren. They've... Here very recently, I mean, this game's been out years now, very recently, only now, do they have content for that game. That game was sold as a procedurally generated masterpiece of uh, universe travel and and exploration and this, that, and the other. And you could name a planet that, you know, no one else would ever find. And then that turned out to be complete garbage. (laughs) And within a week or so, somebody found someone else's planet. A lot of companies just put too much into that marketing. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be careful. 
Uh, I know my biggest one is Destiny. I'm a huge Destiny fan. I love Destiny. I played Destiny 1 and 2 through completion. But in the beginning, I was incredibly disappointed with my pre-order. I was sold. I was ready to go. I just about bought that fancy PS4 white you know, <laughs> limited edition, spent the 400 bucks or whatever. I, I didn't. I ended up buying just the game, thank goodness. I enjoyed it plenty, but there was no in-game. There was no content for those players who were the die-hard players. There was... You get to a certain point and you're basically done. You're running you're running a treadmill. And again, it's something that was fixed later on, but it begins to get to a point where we feel like we're paying for beta software. Do you think companies necessarily have to be a hundred percent honest with their like hype train material? Because I know I'm we keep going back to Avengers, but Endgame had fake footage within its trailer to get people excited. But when we see that with games, then we get disappointed. In my opinion, it's different in in-game's situation. I believe in-game probably did this in order to keep that speculation and the fan theories to a point where they couldn't actually guess the ending and produce the spoilers that eventually are going to come out anyway. But when we talk about a game, I think as long as you represent the tech behind the game appropriately and your major concepts of the game... I think you're pretty much safe. Now, if you go beyond that, if you start saying things like, this is a procedurally generated game and you've got a million different things you can do and nothing you see will ever be different, you know, or will ever be the same as what you saw before. Everything's going to be different. Or you say, look at my visual masterpiece. This is what, you know, countless hours of our work and time has done to earn your $60. And what you get is not that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a different story. What did you think about the Avengers marketing material versus the movie? I thought that it is what it is. It's just meant to get you excited. So that's the way I kind of see it with E3. It's not necessarily meant to be an accurate representation. It's meant to be more, here's our game, go buy our game. I could see why people get upset about that. And I've, I've even got upset about something like that. Like, I was excited for No Man's Sky. I didn't pre-order it for that reason because I thought the hype train was a little too big for it. But when it came out, yeah, I was I was disappointed by it. Hey, LeVan, how's that Fallout 76? Oh, <laughs> didn't treat me too well. Um, I got bored of it. After a week. At the same time, I wasn't necessarily disappointed with it because I kind of lowered my expectations because, again, the hype train was getting so big. I don't know. I just have low expectations now. That's probably a good thing to have. How do you feel about that hype train for Fallout 76? I mean, you and I talked about that game for the majority of last summer, and we were both fairly excited about it. It kind of came crashing down to a pretty uh, close to launch. I mean, what do you think? What do you think they did wrong? I think it's another case with No Man's Sky. They marketed it as something it really wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a terrible game. It's just it had a lot of issues. It should have been pushed back in release. Those issues were pretty easy to fix. There was like issues that even showed up in Fallout 4. But it's like the hype train was so big, they felt like they couldn't stop it at that point. They couldn't push back the release. And I feel like if they would have done that, then everybody would have been more forgiving. I agree with you on that. I think um, the build-up was so much, you're right, they just couldn't go back. Mm -hmm. uh, you're completely right on that. What happens, like in the case of Fallout 76, if a hype train fails? Well, obviously you have player drop-off, just like we have with Fallout. That's something that happens post-release, and word of mouth just spreads like wildfire and can make or break a game. So when you have that situation where people feel cheated from their purchase, I mean... 
that's going to dissuade everybody from playing it. And then your player base dwindles to nothing, and I think Fallout 76 is kind of on its last legs right now. I know you and I were discussing Borderlands 3 earlier. I think they put out one trailer. What did you think of it? I got excited about it just because I'm a Borderlands fan. See, I am too. It's at the same time got me worried because it looks outdated at this point because it's like they had dubstep in their trailer and like who ha- who's had dubstep in their trailer since like 2013 yeah if you think dubstep is the the thing you need to focus on in a borderlands game in order to make it good i think you're kind of off mark there mm-hmm. <laughs> so they've done one trailer they did the borderlands trailer and they did a, a god-awful presentation in front of it which i know you said you didn't watch but it was just laughable which is fine they had a gameplay bit for another game that just completely crashed and work the guy was doing magic on stage and it was just a, a a laughable presentation but then this trailer comes out and at least sparks some excitement and i was excited i'm still kind of excited but I feel like it's kind of dying off. Yeah, I, I can see that with a lot of people. I, I think it was interesting how the idea of Borderlands 3 was more exciting than like an actual trailer of it. Like I know Gearbox was showing off tech demos before that set in the Borderlands world and everybody's like, oh, this is Borderlands 3. But now that we're actually seeing Borderlands 3, we're not as excited. It's like, we want it, but we don't want that version of it. We want what we want. Everybody's got in their mind what they expect from Borderlands 3, which is kind of funny because it's, like their own version of the hype train. Everybody's got their own version of their own hype train of this is what I expect out of Borderlands. And the company's going to miss no matter what because they can't climb to people's expectations. Mm-hmm. But that aside, I still have hopes for Borderlands. I think it's going to be decent. And since they've only come out with one trailer and we should have a gameplay video like next week, I think is what they said, the hype train's not too bad yet. <laughs> yeah, this kind of goes along with the hype trains. How much do you think that public opinion has affected your personal opinion on games. Public opinion when it comes to the hype train, the quality of a product, what the developer has done, if their actions have been admirable or honest, those things go a long way in my book. Um, not necessarily the public opinion, but I want to hear about those things. I want to I want to know those things so I can make my own decision about the product and the people making it. Just like the Oculus Rift's CEO, Palmer Lucky, and his dumping of money into particular um, funds and things like that and, and just going out on some really strange things really twisted my opinion of Oculus. And it's not necessarily what everyone thought of it. I don't, At least I don't think. It's people shining the light on those actions. And the same thing with the hype train. Somebody shines the light on this, you know, hey, this game is not as good as what they sold or this game is not running in real time. It's not a true engine. You don't want to look at this as being, you know, a final product that's really just more, in my opinion more information on it so i know a case where public opinions kind of done good for me when fallout new vegas came out i still played fallout 3 back then and when fallout new vegas came out i was like sweet another fallout game but it was so different from fallout 3 to the point where i didn't like it but then uh flash forward a few years later and i hear all this hype around man fallout new vegas was one of the best fallout games and i go okay I'll take a step back into it, and that's now my favorite Fallout game, thanks to that public opinion of it. I had my own personal opinion, but then, like, the public opinion helped me form a new opinion of it. I really did enjoy Fallout New Vegas, and I didn't realize why it was so different, because the development team was different, Mm -hmm. until way after the fact. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed Fallout 3 also, but it wasn't until someone pointed out that, look, you know, these are creators of some amazing original games... 
that are back for this one, you know, and it was just incredible. Um, also got to start looking at their back catalog. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the public opinion introduced me to also. Not just that game, but the back catalog of that publisher, that developer. Do you think creators and companies need hype trains to be successful? I sure think they think they do. I think that uh, not only do they want to build that hype train, they want to con- they just want to run that train until that product's out. But I don't think it's necessarily a need. I mean, just look at Apex Legend. Released the same day it was revealed, and the hype on it was just instant. People were able to come out and play it, and I think that goes a long way. But it's kind of a strange thing because while it was successful and continues to be somewhat successful, it's kind of dropping off right now. It's no longer the hot game. To a certain extent, there needs to be a middle ground between no hype train and a hype train. There needs to be something beforehand to get people excited, but not something so massive that when the game actually releases, it kind of ruins the game. I think that's probably true. And I'll tell you, the great failure example of that (laughs) is the Sega Saturn. (laughs) The Sega Saturn was revealed and released almost instantaneously. To the point where retailers didn't know what they were doing. And it just was a complete shock. No one expected a new Sega console to be out that soon after being announced. And it's just, it the sales never hit what the PlayStation did. There are, of course, other reasons for that too. But part of it was, you know, PlayStation had a lead up. PlayStation had that hype train going. Mm-hmm. They had the... Uh, great famous uh, advertising campaign called You Are Not Ready. It was everywhere. And people were so stoked about that system. Uh, I mean, people were canceling N64 pre-orders. And Sega just couldn't get that. And it was strange how they decided, you know, let's release this so quickly after announcing it. Yeah, you kind of saw the same thing with the, the Wii U when it released. There wasn't really a hype train around that. It was just the way they marketed it was completely wrong. They marketed it almost as an add-on to the the original Wii, which confused a lot of people and nobody wanted to buy it. There was some build-up to that point where they released it, but you have to have a good hype train in order for your product to really work if you're doing a hype train at all. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I bought a Wii U. I enjoyed it, but I'm a Nintendo nerd at heart, and that's just what I do. But it's not like the Switch. The Switch was promoted everywhere mm-hmm. before it came out, and it was a huge. it's a, still a huge success. And it continues to have that marketing campaign. You have to have some marketing prior to launch. Um, You have to build that hype a little bit. You just don't have to go overboard. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to, you you really need to have something. You can't just come out with nothing. You're right. If anything, there's got to be a middle ground. I know indie games, for money reasons or some other reason, or just personal choice, they don't really have hype trains, with the exception of like Cuphead and Atomic Heart that have been teased for a long time. So do you think that's better for their sales? You know, I think it captures a certain gamer. There's the indie gamer and those who wouldn't even necessarily call themselves indie gamers, but they like the idea of not buying from a huge company. I mean, I'm kind of that way in a lot of things too, but I think so. Cuphead and Atomic Heart and these other games are getting out there with the help of other big companies, Steam and Xbox and PlayStation and now Nintendo, like Cuphead's now hitting Switch, mm-hmm. and it's been advertised everywhere. And you're right, some of that is budgetary, but I think some of it might even be a choice. That, you know, we're not we're not the big company. We're not the in-your-face advertiser. Mm-hmm. We're going to just come up and here's the game and let word of mouth do its thing. And they make sales from that. 
Prime example of that is Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley had no advertisement. The only thing I ever saw in it was interview with the developer through a few media outlets, and it wasn't even that that sold me on it. What sold me on it was an, a podcast I listened to after the game's release that the guy said, look, you know, hey, this game is the best game this year, mm-hmm. and it's an indie title that, at the time, not many people had heard about. And now Stardew Valley's on every system. The developer grew from one guy to a team of people. So it's not always a necessity, but it requires at least getting it in the hands of somebody after the fact. It's mm-hmm. a, your product has to be good. Let's say that. <laughs> That's going to be a number one. Indie developers really hit that, that niche market just the right way to where they can grow into something bigger. Like, I know, like you were saying, Stardew Valley. I only got into Stardew Valley because somebody told me about Stardew Valley. And that's really how indie games have gotten big. There was a hype train around Cuphead, but I know people I talk to really have only got into Cuphead because I said, hey, this game is out there and this game is a lot of fun and it's just really well made. Yeah, I, I caught Cuphead at E3 trailer, and I've been, I waited for it only because of the artwork, because mm-hmm. I was such a fan of that old-school cartoon artwork. But aside from that trailer, I heard nothing, absolutely nothing, until it was just about released. And so I would say that hype train was minimal at best. And if anybody hasn't played Cuphead or Stardew Valley, we are not getting paid by either developer, but I highly <laughs> recommend you play both those games. Yes. Because they are fantastic. But like I said before... Um, the different programs that these companies have, Idea Xbox, the Nintendo Nindies uh, program, and the vastly expanded PlayStation Partners program, where everybody has a chance to have their game put on their on the on these consoles, as well as the Steam Greenlight. I mean, there's no reason that even the smallest developer can't at least get some advertising mm-hmm. through these company stores or whatever it may be. But I would have to say Stardew Valley and Cuphead are probably the lucky ones. I wouldn't say it's every company that gets that has this from having such a small hype train. No Man's Sky. That was an indie developer that put that out. Yeah, they ended up getting published. That was something they made on their own. But that I, I, I would almost guarantee that's something that they never expected to happen. For it to blow up that big. Oh, for sure. And when you're an indie developer, that's got to be terrifying. When you're just trying to release this little game for a lot of indie developers hit that niche market, you're just trying to hit this niche market and then it blows into this huge AAA game now at this point because it's being published by Sony. Yeah, you know, that could have been an issue where it wasn't even the developers. It could have been the publisher that decided, let's make this into something grander than what your original vision is and then we're going to give you this budget, we're going to advertise the you know the crap out of it and, you know, hey, good luck. <laughs> hey, if you need some developers, we might throw them your way, but, you know, other than that... Go do your thing. Good luck. And that's a shame. Somebody's got to put some controls on these things. Somebody's got to pump the brakes on the hype train. All right, Derek, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, yes, I want to put a, a great big thank you to you, Jacob, about uh, for doing the Shellivision podcast. Um, and I'm excited for your work in helping create the new Shellivision studios, where we're going to both have the new and improved podcast. Not that we can really improve upon perfection, but we're going to try as well as a bunch of new video projects, uh, including Behind the Screens with uh, Quentin Estrada. Uh, that'll be coming out soon, um, under all under the Shellavision brand. I also want to send a big thank you to our eSports teams. The uh, Solar Wolves League of Legends team finished their season out, and they put up a valiant effort, did a great job, came out to playoffs, took out 10 teams to make it to playoffs. Um, unfortunately, you know, we didn't make finals, but... 
These guys are fantastic, and I'm excited to see them next year. We're starting the finish of our Rocket League teams, um, both the Reversal and Aerialistics team, and I want to a big thank you to them, too. They've put in so much hard work. I can't thank them enough, and thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. The eSports team is really the heart of why this all started, and I'm thank you guys for playing and doing really well. This is the Shellavision Podcast, signing off.